The College Football Playoff Committee has released their second rankings of the season. We'll break down all the different scenarios that everyone is talking about with all the controversy and could a simple scheduling mandate fix all this controversy? Let's get into it. Hey, it was BYOG, bring your own guts! Fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Got the big man! I think Notre Dame got it on Put it on the board for Battle. Country, Hellers got it on the deflection! Lewis is gonna score! It's picked off! Breaks free, they won't catch him, I don't believe! Fires to the end zone! Touchdown! He's going for the corner! He's got it! There goes Davis! Oh my god! Davis! It's caught! It's caught! It's caught! Oh, was that a good game or what? Well, hello everybody. I think it's pretty obvious that Alabama made a statement this last weekend as the number one team when they beat LSU 29 to nothing. LSU was a respected team going into the weekend. They were the best one-loss team. The committee even had them at number three ahead of an undefeated Notre Dame, even though I don't agree with that. And that's got everybody basically going Alabama and everybody else. And as of right now, I think that's perfect language to have. I mean, Alabama has clearly made a statement that they are the team to be reckoned with. And most of that is an eye test thing at this point because they've really only played one serious team. I mean, this Alabama team, as great as they look and as great as they are, they've only played LSU and Texas A&M. No one else is really anything special. They didn't have a good non-conference this year. But LSU is a good victory to have, and so is Texas A&M. They're, they're, they're good victories. The only reason I would even bring it up in any sort of a questionable way is it's, is I'm just trying to point out that. Has Alabama actually, besides the eye test thing, done anything to indicate that they're the greatest team of all time? Not really... They remind me a lot of 2013 Florida State, and that team was by far the best team of the year in 2013, going undefeated. But they weren't considered that until they made their comeback in the national title game against Auburn and actually were national champions. And they had earned their way into that game. And people are already kind of making it seem like Alabama doesn't have to earn their way back into that game. The reason I'm starting out talking about Alabama is because I want to acknowledge that, yes, they are the most impressive team. If you're ranking teams in order of how good they've done so far, Alabama has to be number one. It doesn't matter that they haven't had the best schedule of, it, of, every, of any team in the country, but they've played better than anyone. They do have some good wins. So for the people that say, like, Alabama schedules crap, they have no wins, like, okay, you're you're dumb. Alabama has some good wins. Texas A&M is a good football team. I don't care if they have four losses. That's a respectable opponent to beat, and Alabama beat them pretty good. That this is a team, Texas A&M, that the next best team in the nation is pretty arguable. Not it's not arguable. It's pretty much Clemson in pretty much everybody's mind. That same Texas A&M team 
took Clemson down to the wire. That that happened. And I'm not, you, know, you guys know I'm not the type of person that reads into like, oh, well, this team beat this team by 10 points and then this other team blew that team out. Therefore, that means, no, 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 like that that's not me necessarily, but you can look at that and go, okay, Texas A&M almost beats Clemson. Clemson's definitely one of the best two teams. Texas A&M doesn't really come close to beating Alabama. Alabama's also one of the best two teams. But that doesn't mean that there's this crazy separation between Alabama and Clemson. I think Alabama is a little better than Clemson right now. But some people are people are arguing about the gap right now. Obviously, we're a little top-heavy this year. So some people are like, it's Alabama and everybody else. Some people are saying it's Alabama, Clemson, and everybody else. Some people are saying it's Alabama. It's like the top four and everybody, whatever. The point is, it doesn't matter. If you listen to what I said last week, you know you're probably wondering why I'm even talking about any of this because it's kind of contradicting my point. But I'm bringing it all up to set up and reaffirm my previous point in that we have this hierarchy system that I believe still exists. Now, when I say this hierarchy system still exists and all you people are emailing me and being like, what are you talking about, Michael? They got rid of the BCS. Did you forget? Like, this is a committee. They picked the four best teams. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not saying that there isn't a committee that's going to pick the best four teams. I know that that's what they do. I'm saying everybody, and I I literally mean everybody, this isn't controversial, is, is unaware of the actual criteria, which is why I've said, based on what the committee's done the past four years and what we've seen in the throughout the history of college football, whether it was BCS, poll era, etc., I'm just saying that we still technically have a hierarchy system because there's certain decisions that I don't think the committee will make. Even though this year, some of the scenarios people are talking about, they're throwing out things that they think are so obvious that would happen, and I, I really don't think that is. Before I even get into that, let, let's talk about what the committee did this week. So, the committee came out with their playoff rankings again, and they did the, I'm not going to read through the whole thing because really it's... The only thing that matters is the top four and anybody that has a chance to get into the top four. So 1 through 25 doesn't matter. UCF also doesn't matter. They are 8-0. They're 12, again. Um, they could be number five right now. It, it doesn't matter. The group of five school will never get into the playoff as it should be for the most part. I don't care if they're undefeated or not. The reality is, let, let's pick a random three-loss team really, really quickly. Uh, Let's see. Who's the best three-loss team on here? Florida has the three losses. Mississippi State is 6-3. and three. Boston, Col oh, Boston College is... Michigan State is 6-3. and three. Texas is 6-3. and three. Penn State is 6-3. and three. Iowa is 6-3. and three. Auburn is 6-3. and three. Washington is 7-3. and three. I'm pretty sure all of those teams would have the same record as UCF if they played UCF's schedule. That, that's just throughout. That doesn't mean UCF wouldn't beat those teams. UCF would probably, they might beat a Penn State. They might beat a Tech. They're not guaranteed. I mean, that would be, those, these would be toss-up games. Don't get me wrong. But, I'm sorry, UCF. Three loss, four loss teams would have the same record as you with your schedule. And you think that because in a one-game scenario, you probably, maybe not this year, you can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with anybody that, and you're undefeated from your week schedule, that, that means you should be in the top four. No, like, I don't even think these group of five schools should make the New Year's six games at all. Yes, I know 
that UCF beat Auburn last year. I know that Boise State knocked off Oklahoma that one year with that amazing game. And I know that Utah beat Alabama in 2008 in the Sugar Bowl. I know that that happens because there's plenty of teams that in a one-game scenario can beat somebody. UCF would be Purdue in the Big Ten. Purdue beat Ohio State. In a one-game scenario, they, they were able to get up enough, execute a good enough game plan against a team that came into their stadium, and they beat a top-10 team. They beat Ohio State. That's Ohio State's only loss. But they also, the next week, lose to a really good Michigan State team because Purdue's not capable of running through their Big Ten gauntlet and the non-conference Power 5 teams that they played and doing it all going undefeated. Purdue has beaten Boston College, who's sitting here at 17 at 7 and 2. They've beaten Ohio State, who's 8 and 1, number 10. But they also have four losses or more. So that's what UCF would be. Oh, a good example is remember TCU, TCU and Utah. Both of them would go undefeated or one loss like on a fairly regular basis when they were playing in the Mountain West Conference. They have both joined Power 5 schools, and although TCU has gotten very close a couple of times, they've done very well in the Power 5 after after they moved in, none of them have been able to go undefeated again. None of them, because when you play in the Power 5, it's a, such a different animal. It's such a different animal. And it's literally not even fair to four-loss teams to be putting UCF in games ahead of them when a lot of those four-loss teams would be able to do what UCF is doing with their schedule. Especially this year, guys. Like At least last year, UCF was a lot better. UCF is still undefeated this year, but they don't look as good as they did last year. Temple just put up a ton of yards and points on them. Temple's not that great. Like, I don't even know why I just ran it so long about that. Like, UCF Power 5, or Group of 5 schools, shut up. You're not in the discussion, so forget about it. So moving on into the playoff rankings and teams that are still alive, this is what went down. We have Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame at the, in the top three. They're the undefeated teams, and that's exactly what I would have done. Then we jump into... The one-loss teams slash two-loss teams. So Michigan came in at four. Then Georgia. Oklahoma's at six. This is was the surprise to me. LSU is number seven at seven and two. Washington State is eight. West Virginia, nine. Ohio State, ten. And, all, and that's where it kind of the line gets drawn. No other teams really have a shot, in my opinion, to get in the playoff. The next two-loss team on the Kentucky, no, they, they're not going to be able to win their division. So so it's basically there's 10 teams, not even 10. In my opinion right now, there's nine teams competing for the playoff spots. It's basically the top 10 minus LSU. And I understand if the committee wants to say, hey, like we think LSU is still a, a strong team. So in the purposes of like who's the best right now, LSU's at seven. But don't get it confused. So that doesn't mean LSU actually has a better shot to make the playoff than teams ranked 8, 9, and 10. And this is what's so confusing about the playoff rankings, right? Because you would think, hey, if I'm ranked ahead of you right now, today, and we both went out, then you shouldn't jump me because I'm ahead of you right now, which means I have to mess up for you to jump me, right? Or you have to do something insane, right? Like if you're Ohio State... And I'm LSU. If you want to jump me, Ohio State, you got to beat Michigan by like 40 points, like something ridiculous. But that's not the case. We all know that if 
any of the teams ranked below LSU that only have one loss, if they run the table, they would jump LSU. Even if LSU... So that's, that's why I don't think that the rankings should work that way. Unless you're telling people, hey, this is just like a week by week. And the committee kind of... But they don't. Like, ugh. Like, it's just a... It's a frustrating mess. So for me, you got those nine teams that are in the ring to make the playoff. If I was doing the rankings, and again, this is because I believe that this hierarchy still exists for the most part, only under the most extreme circumstances do I think this hierarchy can be broken. But I still think, like I said, it works. Undefeated teams are guaranteed in the playoff unless there was five of them. Then we would have to leave one out. Then it goes down to one-loss teams. If there's not enough undefeated teams, like right now, we already only have three left. So there if the three undefeated teams win out, then we'd have to pick from one-loss teams. So I rank it like this. One, two, and three, Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, just like the committee has it. And I would never, right now, have any one-loss teams ranked ahead of any of these undefeated teams. I, I wouldn't do that. So I draw the line. I, I take my three undefeated teams, and I already know that that's going to be my top three. And then I rank in order of their resumes because they are comparable because they have the same record. So because those teams have the same record, they're all power five teams, I'm going to rank them in, in that order. So I won't have a one-loss team ahead of any of these teams, but I have to rank those teams. Obviously, Bama looks like the best. In my opinion, Clemson looks like they're right behind. And then Notre Dame. Then I take all my one-loss teams. So that means LSU can only be as high as 10 in my rankings. That, that's the highest they can be because all the one-loss teams have to be ranked ahead of them by my criteria. And I decided to go Michigan at four, then Georgia at five, Oklahoma at six, West Virginia at seven, Washington State at eight, Ohio State at nine. And the reason for that is I'm, I'm, I am picking, I'm saying, hey, right now I think of all the one-loss teams, if I have to put them in an order right now, I'm putting Michigan and then Georgia and then I'm going to Oklahoma and West Virginia right next to each other, then Washington State, then Ohio State. And I really struggle with the Washington State, Ohio State one. Like, I think Washington State could be nine and Ohio State could be eight. That wouldn't make that much of a difference. But none of it makes a difference because if you look at these one loss, let's assume that Clemson and Notre Dame are, they're going to win out. They are in the playoff. We. Well, everyone else in the top nine, besides those, like, are it's gonna get canceled out naturally, in my opinion. This is this is where some of the controversy comes in. I'll get to, but in my opinion, look, we have a one-loss Georgia playing an undefeated Bama. That's probably what the SEC championship's gonna be, unless they one of them stumbles going into that, which would be pretty crazy. If Alabama loses before the SEC championship game, that's gonna be pretty shocking. They play some good teams. Auburn's making a comeback. Mississippi State is ranked 16th now, but no one's picking Mississippi State to beat Bama. No one's picking Auburn to beat Bama. No one's even picking Georgia to beat Bama. But that that's a that's a game that's going to happen. Well, the winner of that game is going to the playoff, and the loser of that game, in my opinion, is out of the playoff. So they're going to battle each other out. Um, Michigan and Ohio State. Yeah, right now Ohio State's nine. But if Ohio State beats Michigan State this week, beats Michigan, wins out, then they would just take Michigan's place where I have Michigan right now. Like So the Big Ten, as long as... Um, if you're Michigan, you can't lose again and get in. If you're Ohio State, you can't lose to Mi to Michigan State and then beat Michigan. That would kind of cancel you out. Like, 
If Ohio State wins out or Michigan wins out, one of those two teams is going to get in, most likely. Then we have the Oklahoma-West Virginia thing. Well, they're going to battle each other out. They might both cancel each other out because, like I said before, Oklahoma and West Virginia play in the last game of the regular season. And unless they lose some games before that, it's probably just going to be a rematch the very next week and they'll play again for the conference championship. So most likely, unless one of those teams is definitively better than the other, if they're good with each other, then most likely I'm predicting that the first game will be close and then the loser of that game will dominantly beat the other in the rematch because when good teams play each other twice, that's usually what we see for some reason. I mean, just last year that happened with Georgia and Auburn. Or in that scenario, Auburn beat down Georgia in the regular season, and then Georgia came back and beat down Auburn in the SEC championship game. So those things just happen. That's why I predict that. But basically, those teams are either going to cancel each other out or, you know, like Oklahoma could beat West Virginia twice, resume booster. West Virginia could beat Oklahoma twice, resume booster. So... It's all there's a lot of scenarios out there. Washington State is the one loss team that needs the most help in my opinion because they there's nothing they can do as far as controlling their own destiny. Like I said, I think if, if Michigan controls their own destiny, if you believe that, then you have to believe Ohio State does too, in my opinion. Sort of. Not I mean sort of, right? Because if you're saying Michigan is gonna be a twelve and one Big Ten champion and that would guarantee them in, then I think you have to say the same thing about Ohio State. But they're still not guaranteed. There's no such thing as guaranteed. None of the one-loss teams are guaranteed because if there's a conversation, you have to be part of that conversation. So the goal at the end of the season for these one-loss teams is to get in that conversation. It should be you versus some other one-loss teams for that four spot, and then you hope that your wet resume wins out. So if it came down to, for some reason... 12 like we let's say the top three spots stay the same we know we got a bama clemson notre dame and, and we're wondering who that fourth spot is well let's say it comes down to michigan wins out so we have a 12 and 1 big 10 champion in michigan oklahoma also wins out which means they beat west virginia twice that would be a tough choice you would have to decide are we picking oklahoma at one loss or michigan and that is tough i think since Notre Dame's in, you default to Michigan in that scenario because you go, hey, Michigan only has one loss and it's to Notre Dame and then they ran through a very tough Big Ten East. You'd have to, even though Oklahoma is a very good, respectable team, it's not like you're saying Oklahoma's bad, but if you have to compare those two teams, their resumes, you would have to just side with Michigan. Now, if Ohio State wins out, and you have that exact same scenario, but it's Oklahoma-Ohio State, I think you give that slight nod to Oklahoma because then you look at those two losses and you say, okay, they each have one loss. They're both conference champions. They both have some great wins. How bad was this loss for each team? And in Ohio State's case, their loss is significantly worse than Oklahoma's loss to Texas. Oklahoma lost a close game to their rival Texas in a great game. Texas is a good team, probably one of the best Probably the best three-loss team is Texas, I would say. I mean, who else is out there at three-loss? we got Michigan State, Florida, Mississippi State. I mean, you definitely could make, make that case that that's the best three-loss team. Texas, or at least a respectable loss. It's a more respectable loss than Ohio State's 29-point loss to Purdue. So in that case, that would keep them out. 
And I think the same would hold true if Ohio State, if it comes down to, let's say Oklahoma and West Virginia cancel each other out, Ohio State runs the table, Washington State runs the table, that gets tricky because you definitely say that Ohio State probably has a better schedule, beating some good, tough Big Ten teams. You know, they would have beaten Michigan at that point, Michigan State. They already beat Penn State, who's also a really good three-loss team. And they would have the win over Michigan. So... But Washington State's loss is not as bad. I mean, they lost on a controversial ending to USC on a Friday night way back. Washington State also has, like, no non-conference opponents that are relevant. So all of these scenarios are tough, guys. They're all really interesting scenarios. But the one that everybody's kind of talking about right now that I think they're all wrong about is the scenario where Georgia beats Alabama. Everybody is saying that that would be the most nightmare scenario. If, if you're Ohio State, if you're Washington State, if you're Oklahoma, West Virginia, or even if you're Michigan, then the last thing you want is for Alabama to lose to Georgia. Because if Alabama loses to Georgia, Georgia's automatically in. Yes, I agree with that. And Bama has to stay in. No, I don't agree with that. I don't know why anybody agrees with that. There are scenarios where Alabama and Georgia do get in together, but it's reliant on other teams beating out each other. So basically what I'm saying is, like I said before, one-loss non-conference champions do not get in over one-loss conference champions. They don't do it. The committee's never done it. The BCS never did it. That's just, that's not how it works. That's the definition of the most unfair thing. I don't care how good you think a team is. Certain accomplishments and certain things matter. And I'm going to explain in a, in a little bit why this is only something we would do for Alabama. Okay, I'm not someone who thinks there's this big Alabama bias out there necessarily. Like I think Alabama, for the most part, has earned all of their respect. They've earned all the accolades that people throw at them because of what they've done on the field with their with the best coach, the best recruiting classes, the best game plans, the most disciplined players, the best players, just everything. Like, they deserve all that. But here's the thing. If Alabama loses to Georgia, they will be a 12-1 team like a lot of one-loss 12-1 teams. The difference is they won't have won their conference, and other teams will. So sorry, if Alabama loses to Georgia, I think you just move everybody up. Clemson goes to one, Notre Dame goes to two, Michigan can go to three, and Georgia would go to four. If Georgia beats Bama, they're in. They're a one-loss a one SEC champ is going. And I'm sorry, obviously undefeated Clemson and Notre Dame are going with Georgia. So then when you're comparing that fourth spot, you're going, okay, 12-1 Alabama, no conference champion, lost their last game of the season. Or Michigan. 12-1, Big Ten champion, only lost to Notre Dame, very first game of the season, on the road, and they just ran through the Big Ten. Yeah, I think that team's going in over Bama. Sorry, in that scenario, that would happen. So Bama, just don't lose. Just don't lose the, the game. I mean, it's very rare. This happened a couple times in the BCS, and I thought it was absolutely stupid. Should be noted that the years that this happened, the national title games were very weak. But you don't get to lose your conference championship game and then just go play for the national championship right afterwards. Like, come on. 
That is insane. Now, maybe in a year where, let's say Alabama was clearly the best team like they are right now, and everybody else, or at least everybody competing for the fourth spot, was really shooting each other in the foot, like you were getting two lost champions. Like, like, let's say Michigan, let's say Ohio, sorry, I'm ranting. Let's say Ohio State loses to Michigan State this week, and then they beat Michigan. And let's say Oklahoma and West Virginia split games at the end of the season. That means that everyone would have two losses that I just mentioned, and then you'd be comparing Alabama to only Washington State if Washington State wins out. But let's say Washington State doesn't win out. They also have two or three losses. Then, yes, in that scenario, Alabama most definitely goes back to that fourth spot. I'll take a, in that scenario, hell yeah, I'm taking a 12-1 and Bama team that only lost that one game to a good Georgia team at the end of the season. I'm taking them over two loss Big Ten champions and Big 12 champions and three loss teams. Absolutely. But I'm sorry if Alabama loses their very last game, just like last year, they're not going to the playoff over one loss conference. Cha- sorry. Alabama losing that game, they're not getting in over a a Michigan team with one loss. They're not getting in over an Oklahoma team with one loss, an Ohio State team with one loss, West Virginia, even Washington State, really. I just don't think that's fair. And the only argument people are making on why, they're like, no, well, they've looked like the best team all year long, so if they lose that game, they should still be in. No, it doesn't matter how good you look. And like I just said, that's something we would only say about Alabama. If Ohio State did that exact same type of thing, they they wouldn't be in the playoff. And we, you know why? Because that happened before. Not in a conference championship game, but in 2015, Ohio State came into the season number one. Remember, they won the national title the year before with their third-string quarterback, Braxton Miller's back, JT Barrett and Cardell all three quarterbacks back. Braxton Miller goes to receiver. This, Ezekiel Elliott's back. That 2015 Ohio State roster was just as talented, if not more so, than the Bama team from this year. Quarterback was different. They didn't have a Tua Tungavailoa, but that was just an unbelievably loaded, talented college football roster full of NFL talent, the 2015 Ohio State Buckeyes. Now, they were going through their schedule. They they weren't looking as dominant as they, they... should have been. So that's one difference between them and this Bama team. But guess what? When it got to that Michigan State game, late or late in the season, I think it was early November, mid-November when this game happened, Ohio State plays Michigan State. Michigan State already had one loss. They lost to Nebraska, who was an absolute mediocre team. Kind of like Ohio State losing to Purdue a couple weeks ago. So Michigan State had already dropped that one game to Nebraska. Then they go into the horseshoe and they beat Ohio State in a close, kind of sloppy, defensive game in the rain. Ezekiel Elliott was crying afterwards. He was very upset, obviously. Well, no one was trying to put Ohio State back in the playoff. When it all played out that year, people kind of accepted the fact that, hey, we had these other one-loss teams from other conferences. Well, I'm going to look up right now what was the end of the season that year, what the rankings were. Okay, so when that season ended, Ohio State was 11-1. and Their only loss to Michigan State. Michigan State went on to the Big Ten Championship game where they beat an undefeated Iowa team, putting Iowa at, at 12-1. and 
And when it was all said and done, you had an undefeated Clemson team from the ACC. They were in, obviously. You had 12-1 and Alabama from the SEC. Their only loss was Ole Miss. They got in. They got the two-seed. Michigan State, the 12-1 and Big Ten team, got the three-seed. And Oklahoma, an 11-1 and Big 12 team that didn't even play in a conference championship game, they got the four-seed. No one was saying, hey, no, no, Ohio State, they, they should be in over Oklahoma and we'll take two Big Ten teams. Why is that? If you were going off Vegas numbers, Ohio State was favored to beat most of the teams in the playoff besides Bama. And they were projected to give Bama a closer game than Michigan State was. So why did we let Ohio State stay out? <coughs> because they weren't Alabama. And because we just must have had our heads on more straight that year. And we accept the fact that, hey, Ohio State had their chance. But Michigan State, who has the same record, beat them. So we're giving them head-to-head. And there's three other teams besides Michigan State from other conferences that all have the same record or better that deserve to go. So Ohio State's just getting left out. We were all fine with it. We were all fine with it. That Ohio State team went on to dominate a really good Notre Dame team in, in the Fiesta Bowl because they were just an excellent, loaded roster. Michigan State went on to get their butt kicked by Alabama in the playoff, and Oklahoma also went on to get their butt kicked by Clemson in the playoff before we had the very first of our Clemson-Bama National Championship games, which was a classic. Ohio State would have played Clemson and Bama closer than Michigan State and Oklahoma did. That, that's a fact. Going into those playoff games before they even were played, I'm sure people would have agreed to that. But people also, at the same time, were not upset at the playoff committee's teams that they selected. It made perfect sense. You were like, yeah, Ohio State's a great team, but they lost their chance. Why are we looking at Alabama this year any differently? Again, I want the four best teams in the playoff too, but like I've said... It's the best four slash most deserving four. It's a combination. And there's certain things you just can't do. How are you going to look Michigan in the eye and say, Michigan, guess what? You lost your first game to Notre Dame, who's a great team. Then you ran through the Big Ten, which we've been saying is the best conference all year with like four or five playoff contenders. You won your conference championship. You're 12-1. and one. There's another 12-1 and one team that didn't accomplish what you accomplished, but we just think they're better than you because we've been watching them play, and they have this great quarterback, and Nick Saban's their coach, and we, we just think they're better than you, Michigan. Sorry. We're, we're kind of we're pulling a veto card here, and we're kicking you out, even though in a hierarchy scenario, you clearly should be in. Over. No, that is stupid. That is totally stupid. And if the committee does that this year, I'm... That's going to be pretty tough to deal with. Again, I don't care about any of these teams. I'm a Florida State fan. We suck, right? I don't. It doesn't bother me if Alabama goes and plays in the playoff or Michigan. But as a fan of the game, it does bother me the reasons why teams would be selected for that. And I don't care. Yes, if Alabama loses to Mississippi State this week by 20 points, I'm still betting on them to beat everybody else in a one-off game. Alabama versus anybody right now. I'm picking Bama to win. That's who I would bet on. But guess what? Alabama could lose three games in the regular season, and if you put them in the playoff, I'm still betting on Bama because their coach is Nick Saban. They have, at the very least, 
amazing players. Like, even in a down year roster-wise for Alabama, is still great by most standards. So I'm still betting on Nick Saban to beat anyone in a bowl game. That doesn't mean he deserves to be there. If you accomplish less than another team, that team deserves to go over you. Period. Period. Because like I, and like I've said, and those of you that are freaking out right now about conferences and like, what are you talking about? The SEC is so good. One, two losses is the same. No. Yes, I agree. with The SEC has been the best conference this year. I don't think there's much debate on that. I would say the Big Ten's next. I think that you could say that Pac-12, Big 12, ACC are all that third, that second tier. But regardless, I don't think that there's enough separation between any of the Power 5 schools to say that, oh, an SEC team can lose their conference championship game and still get in over one loss conference champions. No. No. That just that doesn't make sense. So Alabama, I don't know why you have to defend that point. Just don't lose. And you're in. And you're supposed to win those games anyway. So it's maybe this whole rant is pointless because we're never going to see it. You know, maybe Bama beats Georgia by 40 points. And it's the dumbest debate ever. But still, I mean, I'm kind of hoping this weekend. I mean, can you imagine this weekend, guys? Just one second. Can you imagine if Florida State knocked off Notre Dame? Not going to happen. But I am going to that game this weekend with my dad. So that would be cool. But let's just say that happens. Or, or you know what? That's unlikely. So let's say Notre Dame doesn't lose till next week. Let's say Notre Dame's going to lose to Syracuse next week, a decent ranked ACC team. But Clemson plays a ranked team this week. What if Clemson loses to Boston College? Okay, let's just say that happens. And what if Bama loses to Mississippi State and Notre Dame loses next week and we don't have any undefeated teams? See, when you don't have undefeated teams... I feel like it's way easier to follow my hierarchy system. When when everybody starts losing a game or two, then it's very simple to just go, okay, that's it. We're taking the four best conference champions. Who won? Who? What all teams won their conferences? And what were their records? We're just taking the best four. Most likely, they're one-loss teams. Maybe a two-loss team. If there's not enough one-loss teams, that's what they do. But when there's teams out there undefeated, it, it makes people all all confused and weird, right? Like, honestly. If the top three lost, the top nine, for me, wouldn't change. Where teams would go would change. But if, if, if those three teams lost this weekend, I think you would have to put Michigan 1, Georgia 2, Oklahoma 3. Uh, God, I mean, I don't know exactly. I, I mean, it's like in that scenario, what do you do? Does Bama come down all the way, Ohio State? No, I mean, like, it's... I guess Bama would drop to seven in that scenario. But, I mean, that scenario is probably not going to happen. That's kind of my fun scenario I'm hoping happens, just just because it'd be fun to get rid of all the undefeated teams. Let's just get rid of them. Because then that actually creates less controversy, in my opinion, because if you get rid of all the undefeated teams and they're not out there, then you are kind of defaulted into the scenarios that I keep talking about with the hierarchy, saying, okay, well, no one's undefeated. So we have all these teams that won conference champions with one loss, maybe someone has two, and we just have to pick the best four and leave out one. Or Notre Dame would still be alive in that scenario with one loss if, if all the conference champions are losing two games or at least one. So now there is one 
argument, that's kind of the outlying argument that's causing all this controversy. And it's people going, no, Michael, we don't have that hierarchy system you're talking about because not all schedules are equal. And there's totally scenarios where Alabama deserves to be in because they're in this conference and that conference, and that could that situation's not unique to this that this year. Every year there's some sort of argument like that. And I think I have the fix to that. And it's not an 18 playoff. It's not a change in the selection committee necessarily, or it sort of is. It's just a scheduling mandate. Right now, there's this huge perception, rightfully so, that the SEC is better than, let's say, oh, the Pac-12. Or the or whatever, right? And that is true, right? I don't think that carries as much weight as people think it does, but that is a true thing. The SEC is better than the Pac-12. That is true. But when you take a look at Alabama's schedule, there are teams from the Pac-12 that have just as tough of a schedule. Let's look at Alabama's schedule. I just clicked on it. Yes, Alabama had some good teams on the schedule. LSU... If you're just the average team in college football, LSU, that's a tough, that's a that's a good game. AM, that's a respectable opponent, good game. Mississippi State, okay. That that's okay too. Maybe even Auburn. But there's still garbage on this schedule. Louisville. One of the worst teams in the ACC. They're just a complete debacle this year. They're probably firing Bobby at the end of the year. I mean, Florida State beat Louisville. And I can tell you from watching every Florida State game this year that Florida State is a very bad team. Bama would beat Florida State by a million points, which is why they beat Louisville by a lot. They put 51 points on Louisville in the very first game. So it, it's a Power 5 team, but it's such a weak Power 5 team. It might as well be a Group of 5 team. Alabama also beat Arkansas State. Alabama also plays... University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. And Alabama also plays the Citadel. And I'm not even calling out Alabama. This is kind of what the SEC does. Usually, Alabama's good. We usually don't recognize and call Alabama out for playing three mediocre FCS slash group of five schools. I mean, seriously, Arkansas State, Louisiana, Monroe, or whoever this is, and the Citadel. Those are three games that are just, those aren't football games. That's three bye weeks for Alabama or any decent Power 5 school. Those three games are like bye weeks. I don't think people underestimate, or I think people underestimate how nice that is. And especially where Alabama puts those games is crazy important. For example, they always get to play a Citadel, or someone before they play Auburn. That is huge. And, and ACC teams do this too. As a Florida State fan, I can tell you, we, we always play like an Idaho or someone before we play Florida. Like, I don't, that's ridiculous to me, okay? And this, and usually we overlook Alabama do, playing those three terrible games every year because one, they're Alabama, they're super talented. Two, they play in the SEC, so they get good conference competition. And the other reason is because usually they play a kickoff game against an actually really respectable ranked team. Well, this year their preseason game was terrible. It was Louisville. Okay? 
And like I said with the Pac-12, let's look at, or not even the Pac-12, let's look at a middling Big Ten team, like, like look, Northwestern. Let me click on Northwestern. Let's look at their schedule. Their schedule is significantly better than Alabama's, in my opinion. Look at Northwestern. The only game on Northwestern's schedule that you're like, really, Northwestern? Like, that's, like, you're embarrassed by, is Akron. And even Akron is, if you're going to play a group of five team, Akron's an okay-ish group of five. That's not a good game on anyone's schedule for for strength of schedule purposes, but that's that's their weakest game by far is Akron. The other non-conference teams that Northwestern played this year were Purdue, or sorry, <laughs> Purdue's a conference game, my bad, is Duke and Notre Dame. Duke and Notre Dame. So, Northwestern, if you're an average football team and you have Northwestern schedule, you don't have a break. Maybe Akron, for most decent-ish Power 5 teams, that's kind of, like I said, that's a bye week, even though Northwestern lost this game to Akron 39-34. But if, you, if you're going through Northwestern schedule, other than your actual bye week, you don't have a break, okay? At Purdue. Duke, Akron, Michigan, at Michigan State, Nebraska, at Rutgers, Wisconsin, Notre Dame, at Iowa, at Minnesota, and Illinois. That is a respectable football schedule. And I wasn't saying that Alabama's wasn't respectable at all, but I am saying that that schedule is better than having Arkansas State, Louisville, Louisiana, Monroe, or whatever, and Citadel. Alabama got to play those four teams this year. And I'm not calling out Alabama. I'm calling out college football scheduling in general. Let's get rid of the FCS games. Let's get rid of them. They do nothing for anybody. They do absolutely nothing. We should mandate that every team plays the same amount of conference games. That's another thing. The ACC and SEC, they only play eight conference games versus nine. That's a big deal when you're playing Citadels in the non-conference. That's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Because even if a team like like Oregon or UCLA, if they want to have a weak schedule and not schedule strong at a conference, they can only schedule three games like that, two games like that, they have to play nine teams from their conference, whereas an Alabama or a Clemson, they only have to play eight teams from their conference. That gives them, if you're Alabama this year, Alabama had four games to schedule whoever they wanted, and that's what they did. Again, Louisville, Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, and Citadel. And that's not to mention how bad some of the SEC teams that they played were. Tennessee is terrible. Arkansas is terrible. So Alabama, while they do have two very impressive wins, very impressive wins, they have one, two, three, four, five, six wins over garbage teams. Six wins over teams that Florida State could probably beat. Six wins gets you bowl eligible. Florida State isn't bowl eligible right now. They're probably not going to be bowl eligible this year. Their schedule's hard. Really hard. 
So, I mean, guys, I just, I named six games. Six games that the average team is going to win. So, you could make the argument that this year Alabama was handed six victories. Because the average team is probably winning those six games. So, Alabama is definitely winning those six games. And they did win all six of those games by huge numbers. But they're beating everybody by huge numbers, which is why I still think they're number one. I'm not saying Alabama isn't number one, guys, at all. That's not what I'm saying. But you talk about this little argument about them getting into the playoff with one loss. Well, maybe I would respect that argument more if they didn't have six guaranteed wins that anybody should be able to beat on their schedule going forward. So... I think we need to mandate schedule changes. Everybody should be playing uh, eight conference games. So everybody, we all play 12 regular season games. Every team should drop to eight conference games. That leaves you 9, 10, 11, 12. Four other games. Four non-conference games that everybody plays. Only we should mandate that at least three of those games have to be against Power 5 teams. It doesn't mean you have to go schedule Alabama if you're Northwestern, but it does mean you're scheduling Power 5 teams, right? And you get one group of five team. No FCS. We're doing away with any FCS teams. That's just a waste of everyone's time. You can get your easy win over a group of five team. But the group of five is still tough, right? Because some group of five teams are terrible, right? And some group of five teams are UCF, who's pretty good. So if everybody played a schedule like that, going undefeated would be almost impossible, virtually impossible if everybody played a schedule like that. One, the main thing, college football would just be even more entertaining than it already is. Are you kidding me? I mean... Go back to Alabama schedule. Again, if, if I'm an Alabama season ticket holder, do I even want to go see the Arkansas State, Louisiana Monroe, or the in the Citadel games? Like, what a waste of my time. If I'm if I'm a huge college football fan like I am, I'd rather stay home and watch other teams play. That would literally be more entertaining than going and see my own team play if it's if that's who we're playing. But let's say Arkansas State was Arizona State. That's a lot more intriguing. Let's say the Louisiana-Monroe game was Iowa State. That's a lot more intriguing. And let's say that Citadel game down there was at least a group of five team, right? Like, let's say that is, uh, they're playing... Memphis or something, right? Like, all of a sudden, yeah, Louisville Louisville becomes the worst team on their schedule. Think, like, think about this. This year, like I just said, Alabama played Louisville this year. And Louisville's not even in the bottom three of their worst wins or, like, their weakest opponents. And Louisville's terrible. If you played Louisville this year, that should be the worst team you played because they're a terrible team this year. If everybody was forced to play a schedule like the one I'm proposing, you would have that happen more. And if teams are losing a little more often, it's harder to go undefeated, then you could justify the hierarchy system better because you would just say, look, everybody's going to drop some games. Then we're going to make the conference championship games 
they're in a way they'd be sort of de facto playoff games, especially if we did away with divisions and just let the top two teams in each conference go at it. Okay. And then you just say, hey, there's going to be four conference champions and the possible Notre Dame outlier. We're taking the best four of those champions and maybe Notre Dame, and we're leaving one of them out too if Notre Dame goes. Those That controversy and those conversations just, I, I feel like, are way less controversial if everybody plays that schedule. Then you feel way more comfortable saying, hey, that one loss conference champion can't be jumped by the non loss or by the one loss non conference champion. But right now, the way schedules are, people are like, no, 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 this team's better. Like, that team didn't play or this team played. And a lot of that is all just perception. And we're, we've been so wrong about eye test stuff many times. So that's my solution. You know, I don't think we need an eight-team playoff. I think we just need to fix the schedule. One, just make it more entertaining. Like, it's just the game's just better when everybody's playing better competition. We don't need these sloppy mop games, you know. We, we don't need them. We don't need to see... Alabama play Arkansas State and we definitely don't need to see them play four of those guys a year I mean come on that's just ridiculous to me again I still think Alabama is the best team I'm not, I'm not like trying to make cases against Alabama here I'm just saying in general it's easy to use their schedule as an outlier because Alabama might still be undefeated this year if they had a schedule like that but I think they'd be a little more banged up if they had a schedule like that. I think they'd it'd be harder because when you have a bye before LSU, you can handle that game. When you play Citadel before Auburn, you can handle those games. So it's one thing to say, hey, we beat a bunch of good ranked teams. Well, they were all spaced out either in between actual bye weeks or these manufactured bye weeks against teams that you literally could beat without pads. So if everybody plays those schedules, it's just going to be super hard to go undefeated. Not because you're playing teams that are better than you, but because you're just playing quality opponents every week. That's going to turn undefeated teams into one-loss, two-loss teams. That's going to turn the typical two-loss team into a four-loss team. That's going to turn four-loss teams into five, six-loss teams. And before you say, like, oh, that'd be weird, that'd be boring, I don't want, no, yes, you do, it's fine. You don't, people get all sucked into the hype of, like, at the end of the year, they're hoping that the championship game can have two undefeated teams because it's sexy and it's a national title and it feels like that USC-Texas thing that I grew up on, like, no, it's, it's, oh, you still are watching the two best teams play just because they're not undefeated. If you go back and, that's a good example, 2005, when you had undefeated teams playing. And there's been many years in the BCS era, there were two undefeated teams playing. But 2005, for example, if you went go and look at the schedules that those teams played, there's a reason they were undefeated, okay? Texas in 2005, they did have a good non-conference schedule. They played Ohio State week two, I think, who was like top five and Texas was top five. Epic game. It was a classic, by the way. But after that, Texas didn't really play a team that could beat them. Big 12 was actually kind of down. Oklahoma was bad that year. Texas blew everybody out after that Ohio State game. USC had some closer games, but they played in the Pac-12. Their, their schedule was actually better than Texas, but just saying if they would have played really tough schedules, dropped a couple respectable games, and played and gave us that same classic game, it wouldn't have had less merit to it because they weren't undefeated. I think we just need to take college football in a direction where going undefeated is virtually impossible, and that's okay. 
and it's common for one loss, maybe even, you know, two loss teams to get into the playoff. And you just say, hey, everybody's played this gauntlet schedule. Therefore, if you win your conference, you're probably going to get in. So we're just going to pick the best four of the five conference champions. And maybe in some weird, wacky years, you would still have those outliers where like one division got messed up and you had like a four loss conference champion and you have like a one loss team that didn't make it. Like you could still have the committee come in in those scenarios and like have tiebreakers or say, hey, in this extreme circumstance, this team's just so much better than that conference champion and that conference champion has three, four losses. So we're going to make this jump. That That's fine. But I really think that that schedule mandate would fix all this controversy, all these scenarios we're playing out right now with Bama doing this and this team doing that. If we had that gauntlet schedule mandate, then probably Alabama's still undefeated right now because I think they're just that good. Clemson probably has a loss. Notre Dame probably has at least a loss. And some of these teams that already have a loss probably have two losses. So it would it would be much more clear. We would know for sure Alabama's the best team when they're not playing four teams that anybody could beat. And we know that there's a gap when if Alabama was still undefeated with a schedule like that, but other teams were kind of beating up on each other more, then we could actually look and say there's a gap between Alabama and everybody else. But right now we're not sure because everybody's playing these schedules where if you're a good team, you're probably only going to have one or two losable games. And that just creates all this confusion. So that's it. That's it for today. That's my way to fix the system right now. You don't need an 18 playoff. You don't need to go back to the old system. You literally just need to make mandate that everybody plays the same schedule. Obviously, no two schedules will ever be perfectly equal. But it's way easier to compare two resumes when people are playing schedules like that. And you wouldn't have to do as much comparing because more likely than not, it would play itself out. If you really think the Pac-12 is bad and you think they don't deserve to ever get in over SEC schools or, or Big Ten schools, well, this scenario would fix that because guess what? If the Pac-12, if you're like, let's take Oregon, for example, this year. Obviously, they have three losses now. They're probably out of it. But there was a point in time where they only had the one loss and people were thinking, are they going to run through the Pac-12? Or look at Washington State right now, same scenario. Well, the reason everyone's scratching their heads is because Washington State is playing, and Oregon, you know, they're playing in a conference that we, through perception, view as mediocre and then we really don't know what to think of them because their non-conference games were all crappy. You know, like like Oregon played Portland State, San Jose State, and Bowling Green in the non-conference. So I totally understand the people that are like going to go against my theory and say, hey, if Oregon or Washington State right now, who's actually has a chance to do it, if, they be, if they're a one-loss conference champion, I'm still not putting them in the playoff because they play in a weak conference and they play no one in the non-conference. And you have truth to your argument. I don't agree with that. I still think, you know, the hierarchy of the one loss uh, conference champion should get in over teams that don't win the conference. But I totally understand your argument if you're saying the other for scheduling reasons. And that's why I think this schedule would matter. Because if Oregon went through the Pac-12 with only one loss and then they played non-conference Power 5 teams instead of playing Bowling Green, San Jose State, they're beating like Northwesterns and TCUs. Then you're totally respecting your schedule. But if they're dropping all those games and then losing some games in the Pac-12, then you can actually say, hey, Oregon lost four games this year. They lost a game in the Pac-12 and they lost two or three of their non-conference games. Like, Pac-12's down. Oregon's not good. We're picking someone else. You just, instead of them just out there with like, yeah, they have wins, 
which looks good on the paper spreadsheet, but those teams, we just don't know anything about them. I really think this schedule thing would fix things, and it would just be so much better for the sport. Forget how it helps the playoff scenarios. It's so much better when Power 5 teams are playing Power 5 teams. It's so terrible when they're playing bad group of five teams or FCS teams. Like There's enough crappy teams in the Power 5 that you can blow out. You don't have to go schedule FCS. So let's get away from it. Let's get away from that. Let's make college football better, and let's make the playoff better, and let's make the New Year's Six better. It's all about being better. So everybody have a better week than last week, hopefully. And I'll see you next week when the new rankings come out, and people are probably going to be talking about more BS scenarios that don't make sense. So see you guys then.